Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Ari Brusher. I'm a senior loan officer with FM Home Loans. Uh, we're located, our main location is in Brooklyn. And it's a pleasure to be on tonight's SYNY Radio, the real estate podcast, generally hosted by Karen Bafar. And we are going to try as hard as possible to fill in for her as much as that's not possible, but we'll do our best. In tonight's episode, we're going to obviously focus on financing questions. Uh, being a mortgage broker, I get a lot of questions from a lot of different people, and I want to uh, you know, compile them into a 25 to 30 minute podcast so that we could help answer your questions. So first of all, we're going to recap um, what's going on with mortgage rates, because you know, every time you open up any news you know, outlet today's day and age, there's some sort of headlines about mortgage rates. Um, in addition, we're going to bring up when it's worth it to refinance your home. Uh, what is a refinance and how do you go about it? Uh, and then we're going to throw in some, you know, assorted topics that I feel is important for every buyer and client to know. So, you know, to start off and give a little background on, you know, mortgage rates. Um, you know, mortgage rates are based off what's called the mortgage-backed security. Um, the mortgage-backed security goes up and down minute to minute, okay? Based off of that, banks come out with daily interest rates. Now, it's not to be confused with the Federal Reserve, which meets a few times a year to higher and lower rates. And when you read online that the Federal Reserve is lowering rates, that doesn't mean that your home loan is going to go lower in interest, okay? Now, how are interest rates, what are the trends of interest rates? How will interest rates go up and how do interest rates go down? So interest rates are based off, in short, the economy. Generally, when the economy does well, interest rates go up because people are willing to pay more for money. When the economy does a little worse, interest rates go down, which seems funny because right now we're at all-time highs with the stock market, and interest rates are at extreme lows. And the reason is because there's some uncertainty out there with regards to the economy, which direction we're heading. Um, there's a lot of speculation about, you know, an incoming depression and recession, and a lot of big words are being thrown around, which are making people uneasy, uh, which tends to decrease the amount that big banks can charge for interest, which is why interest rates have dropped. Now, over the last eight to 10 months, there's been an extensive drop in interest rates. Uh, anybody who purchased within the last two years, uh, their interest rates could technically go down now if they were to refinance their loan. Over the last week, interest rates trended upwards a bit, but there's no real way to know. And again, this is a real big question. Every single client asks me this at least 10 times throughout the process. Where do you think rates are headed? Uh, I can only educate you about what moves rates. Which way it's headed is a completely different question. And that's something that no one has the answer to because all it takes is one tweet, one little attack on Iran, one little this, one little that, and the market shift in a second. Uh, you know, again, we were seeing extreme downward trends over the last couple of weeks. And last week was the worst week for interest rates since 2011. That being said, interest rates are still at all-time lows. To put it into perspective a little, just so you get an idea of you know, where interest rates are holding, the average interest rate over the past 30 years is approximately 
Currently, rates are in the mid threes, upper threes to low fours, depending on your scenario. So we're we're all, we're you know more than half uh, lower than the average interest rate, which means again we're we're at all time lows. Now, if you close on a home within the last two years, and your interest rates higher, it makes it might make sense to refinance your loan. Now, what does refinancing do mean? Refinancing means that you're taking the loan that you have, you're paying off the balance and starting over. Um, what you have to keep in mind is that when you refinance a mortgage, you have to pay closing costs again. There are a lot of fees associated with refinancing your mortgage. So just because you have a 4% and rates are now 3.875, that's not worth it necessarily to refinance for because you're paying money for that. Now, does the savings per month add up? to the amount you're paying over 30 years? That's a question your loan officer has to answer. But um, generally, my rule of thumb is that, in, especially in New York, um, New York is very interesting in the sense that when you take out a mortgage, the state, and again, this is in you know um, New York City, especially uh, Kings County, they charge 1.875% of the loan amount as what's called a mortgage tax. So if you're taking out a million dollar mortgage, off the bat, you're paying over 16,000, over $17,000 just for a mortgage tax. When you refinance your home, you could actually move the mortgage tax that you paid already on the first mortgage over to the second mortgage, but attorneys charge for doing so. So it still costs money. Uh, when you refinance your home, typically you're going to have ten, fifteen thousand dollars worth of closing costs. So yes, if you're saving five hundred dollars a month, you know, multiply that by twelve, you know, that's already six thousand dollars. Multiply by, by that by thirty, that adds up to a lot of money. But you know, again, if you're paying thirty thousand dollars for that, it might not be worth it. Um, in Jersey, it's it's much easier, or there's much. There's a much bigger reason to refinance when rates go down only, let's say, three quarters of a percent because there's no mortgage tax there. There's less closing costs. So it's worth it to refinance for lower savings per month. But again, this is something that you should go over with your loan officer to show you a comparison of how much you'll be saving per month. Um, and again, that that's with regards to, you know, currently where interest rates are holding. Uh, where we think it's going to go, I mean, again... There's a lot more room for interest rates to go up than they are to go down. So I always recommend for my clients, if you're happy with the rate, you jump on it, you take it. If you're in contract, you lock in the rate as soon as you can. This way, you're covered. Your payments won't go up. Yes, could be you could save $15, $30. But on the upside, you have to calculate what's you know more upsetting for you, paying $30 more a month or saving $30. So you know again, that's a discussion you have to have. Uh, on your own with your loan officer. Um, you know, what we're going to also discuss today is the importance of getting pre-approval, which I know we touched upon in a previous podcast, but uh, I wanted to stress it again. Um, you know, many clients, um, I've been seeing this lately more and more and more, uh, are, you know, turning to the internet to educate them on the mortgage process, and they're calculating their finances by themselves. And you know, double checking to see if they can afford the mortgage. Um, the big difference between a f the big thing that you have to, you know, be in, be aware of is that although you could potentially afford a mortgage, that doesn't mean that a bank will give you 
the mortgage, okay? You still have to qualify for the mortgage. And the mortgage is anything but common sense. It's all about guidelines. And, you know, I always have the people who say, listen, I make so much money. Come on. It's obvious. While they are correct, if you look at it from a bank's perspective, a bank is giving you a million dollars. Most people will never have a million dollars in their bank account their whole life. So that's a large sum of money. They want to make sure that you're going to be paying this money back. So they set up guidelines. And all banks, no matter what, have to follow these guidelines. Banks can't just give out money because they like you. They're still resp- they're still regulated, uh, and you have to get approved for a mortgage. So you know a couple things that you have to keep aware is that although you're getting cash, that you know obviously can't be used as income. Uh, if you you know again prepare yourself ten months in advance, okay, six months in advance, even four months in advance before you start the process, your life will be so much easier, and you could potentially save tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And I'll explain to you how. So. You know, there are three aspects to getting approved for a mortgage. There's credit, income, and assets, okay? They're called the CIA. Now, they're all equally important, and you need every single one of those in order to qualify for a mortgage. So let's go through each one of them, and let's see what they are, and let's see where people have uh, problems. So C stands for credit. You have to have a good credit score. Not only do you have to have a good credit score, there can't be any derogatory um, information on your credit report. For example, let's say you had a bank, uh, bankruptcy or foreclosure. Sometimes you can't get approved for a mortgage for seven years. Um, let's say you have accounts that are in collection. Many times you're fighting a collection account. The bank will actually make you pay off the collection if it's more than $3,500 at closing. So I've had cases where people have $20,000 collection accounts and their credit score, they're fine. And they come to me and they tell me, nah, don't run my credit. We're all good. We're all good. Then we run their credit and we see they have a collection. And they're like, oh, we're fighting it. But if you want to, if you want to close on the mortgage, you have to pay off that collection. So if you could deal with that six months in advance and settle for half you know, with the collection agency and you have six months to now bargain with them, you can save a ton of money. Uh, in addition, you know, a lot of people, what they do is when they have late payments. And you know, one thing I've seen that really kills people uh, in terms of credit is – Cars, the last payment on a car, many times the leasing companies cancel your auto pay feature and they cancel the auto pay feature on the last bill after you pay the last payment. But many people have damaged $100, $200, and they think that, oh, that's going to get deducted from my account, but the auto pay feature is disabled, so they you know, go into collection on that $250, they don't even realize, and it kills their credit score. So always be aware about that. At the end of a lease, make sure that you're all paid up. Call the, credit, call the car company 10 times to make sure that you're paid up in full. Um, in addition, so many people have late payments. Every once in a while, you know, people, you know, have late payments. And what they do is they dispute those late payments, which means they call up Credit Plus, uh, Credit Capital One, let's say, and they say, hey, you know, I wasn't late. And what happens is Capital One has to now put that into a dispute, which means it's they're investigating it. And they cannot legally decrease your credit score for a certain period of time until the uh, investigation is completed. So now what happens is, let's say somebody has 15 late payments, they can just call up and dispute every single late payment, and their credit score will be 780. So banks have already caught on to that. And you know, that's why I always tell people, 
Yes, Credit Karma says you have a 780, but I want to see what's on your credit report because many times I'll run credit and I see 10 disputed late payments. I'll run it through my system and my system says, hey, great, he has a 780 credit score, but he has to remove all those disputed accounts. And once that guy removes his disputed accounts, his credit score drops below 620, which means we cannot get the mortgage. And this has happened more than once. And again, if you're dealing with this six months in advance, you can resolve this. You can take care of it. When your 30-day contingency is up in 30 days, you don't have enough time to figure this out. Uh, the next thing is income, but we're going to skip income, come back to it, and we're going to go to assets, CIA. Assets means you have to have enough money for the down payment, closing costs, and any reserve requirements. Now, especially in Brooklyn, where we deal with big loan amounts, many times the bank will not only want to see that you have enough for a down payment, they also want to see, let's say, 12 months of payments, mortgage payments, in the bank extra that you have after closing. And that money cannot be gifted. Um, you know, again, you have to speak to your loan officer because every scenario is different. Many times the bank will want to see that you have at least 5% plus the reserves of your own money, okay? But most of the time, you can get money gifted for the down payment and closing costs. Now, keep in mind, let's say, you know, the average home, you put down a down payment of 20% of the purchase price. Um, closing costs are really high. People don't realize that closing costs is not $5,000 on a home. Uh, anytime you're buying a house over a million dollars, right away, you're paying 1% of the purchase price as a penalty. It's called, not a penalty, it's called a mortgage tax. So let's say you're buying a house for $1 million. Right away, you're paying $10,000 for mortgage tax, plus you're paying $1.875 for mortgage tax. So on an $800,000 loan, that's around $15,000. You're already at $25,000 before you take into account the bank fees, the attorney fees, the home inspection fees, the title fees. It can go easily into the 30000 And once you move up to the $2 million range, you're at fifty. So keep that in mind. There's not only the down payment, there's also closing costs. And what really helps a lot of my clients is that I make sure to send all my clients when I pre-approve them a spreadsheet of an estimated scenario that they're looking at um, and break down the scenario from A to Z of what the closing costs are going to be, what the monthly payments are going to be. This way you get an idea, a ballpark of what you're heading into. And you know, keep in mind also, money can't come from a friend. You can't get large deposits into your account. And large deposits are anything above 50% of your income, monthly income. So if you make $10,000 a month, anything above $5,000 needs to be sourced. We need to explain where it com comes from. If you deposited cash, guess what? We can't use that. We have to back that out of your balance. So I have many people who put in a large sum of cash. We can't use it. Again, if you came to me three months before, I would tell you make sure everything's in order so that we don't need to see that. Um, not that we don't need to see that, but you know, again, it, everything's in order. Um, when you're getting money from relatives, it can't, can't come from a business. It can't come from a gemach. It has to come from a relative, a brother, sister, father, mother, cousin, uncle, some sort of relative. Okay. And, you know, the easiest way to do it is have them write you a personal check into your account. Make sure the check has their name. All you need is a copy of the check and a bank statement showing the money coming into your account. You don't need to borrow the donor's bank statements if you do it that way. And it's, uh, you know, really important. And I see, especially in the uh, religious community, uh, it's important to do it right. Okay. Um, make sure if you're getting a bank check, it has the donor's name on it. There's a lot, a lot, a lot to know um, 
before you know dealing with all this and that's why you really need to speak to your loan officer in advance and i can't stress that enough i've probably said it if we're speaking now for 15 minutes i've probably said that 14 minutes worth of time but it should be 20 at this point um now the last aspect to getting approved for a mortgage and some would say it's the most important and it it really is the most important is income you have to have enough usable income to qualify for a mortgage. Now, generally, the way you qualify for a mortgage is we take all we take your income. If you make ten thousand dollars worth of income, we could qualify you for up to forty three percent of that as debt. Now, what does debt mean? If you're making ten thousand dollars a month, right? How much debt could you have? Well, debt includes mortgage payments, taxes, insurance, any credit card bills, the monthly payments, cars mortgages, IRS payments that you still owe to the IRS. So, you know, keep that in mind when you're, you know, going to get pre-approved, trying to pay off all your credit cards. This way you have less debt. Don't take out new credit cards. Don't take out new leases if you don't need to. Try to minimize the debt because, you know, yes, a $250 car doesn't sound like much, but that means you have to make another $500 extra per month just to offset that debt. Okay. So, you know, income is something very important. Now, not all income can we use. For example, let's say you're self-employed. Um, we cannot actually um, use your income uh, if you're self-employed for less than two years, which is which is you know very annoying for some people who are you know just starting out um, you know on, with their own business. You actually have to wait two years to get a mortgage. Um, in addition, um, you know, keep in mind that. When you're self-employed, we actually can only use the net amount of income that you file for, um, and we can't use the gross deposits, which means that, you know, if you show $250,000 of sales, we can't use $250,000 as income. We can only use whatever you file for net after expenses. So when you speak to your accountant, and obviously you're being smart by writing off this money, but when you write off your car, when you write off your house, when you write off your lunch, that is writing off income that we could otherwise use for your mortgage. So keep that in mind. Although you think you can afford the mortgage payments, you know, again, it's not necessarily the case. You have to double and triple and quadruple check to make sure that you can actually get qualified for a mortgage. And I can't tell you how many times, at least once a day, where I have people call me up and they tell me, oh, yeah, I have no problem. Huh? And we run through the financials. And guess what? They need a cosigner. They need somebody to cosign for them, um, you know, somebody to add income so that they could qualify for a mortgage. And, uh, again, I hope I'm answering some of your questions. Um, you know, again, the, the big thing that I'm trying to get across here, and I've said it many times, is speak to your loan officer every step of the way. We're here for you. We don't get paid until you close, and we want to prove ourselves. We want you to use us to close. So harass the living daylights out of us if you have any questions. It's really never a problem. Uh, I always tell clients, rather ask more questions than less, because the people who ask less, they always have issues last minute, something they didn't tell me. And another thing you have to be aware of is, you know, be open and honest with your loan officer. Um, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, you tell them everything, because the banks find out. A lot of things that you think they can't find out, past judgments, uh, divorce decrees, lawsuits, they find out a lot, a lot of stuff. And when you're in contract and you have no mortgage, you want to make sure that you're protected. 
So tell your loan officer everything. He's on your side, and it will be a smooth, smooth process.